Hello, everybody. Welcome to Locked On Suns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's I was your host, Evan Sider, and my co-host, Brendan Queen. You can follow me on Twitter at Eastern. You can follow Brendan on Twitter at BrendanQueen14. Also, for our Locked On Suns Twitter page, you haven't already, at Locked On PHX Suns. Your supporters very much appreciate it, as always. We have very special guests for you guys, though, today. On the day that Monty Williams was officially hired by the Phoenix Suns, we're going to dive into that immediately after this. But David Nash of the Suns Exodus Podcast. David, I do that. Hey, Evan. Hey, Brennan. It's uh, great to jump. We've got plenty to talk about by the sounds of things. Oh, that's for sure. We're definitely going to go over the Monty Williams sign that broke earlier this morning while Dave was asleep over in Australia. He's still gathering his bearings. So we're going to get immediately fresh reactions from David on this. We'll start off with David, I guess, because that's the main news right now. Monty Williams signed to a five-year deal. Really shocking. I don't think it's ever happened. Robert Sarver's tenure came to someone for at least five years on paper. Monty Williams is their top target as well. They beat out the Los Angeles Lakers reportedly. So, David, what do you think, from a fan's perspective, of what the Monty Williams signing does for firing your coach about a few weeks ago? I think it's the best possible outcome, really. I think when we all saw the Igor stuff come down, no matter where you, you sat on Igor as a coach, I think you know most fans were shocked about, I guess, the instability, the continued instability of the team. So, you know, the the sights from both fans and the team, by the sounds of things, were were well and truly on Monty from the outset and they got their guy and and yeah I guess a bit of a surprise that they locked him into a five-year deal but I'm sure we'll get into this I I think that's probably what it was going to take to get Monty to sign on on the dotted line so no real surprises from that perspective other than I guess the Suns being able to pull it off and and pull it off this early guys definitely I thought as we were saying beforehand here I thought you know, of course, it gets into this late stage. He's interviewed twice with the Lakers, interviewed twice with the Suns. No one, a surprisingly low amount of teams actually looking for a coach, which is, mm-hmm. I think, an interesting part of this from his perspective. But I'm just kind of baffled that they actually pulled it off. Evan and I last week, or I guess it was not last week anymore. It's been a few weeks since Igor was fired. Uh the first thing I said, because, you know, Woj followed up quickly with Monty being their top target. I said, everything, every little ounce of anger that I had about how, how chaotic the decision seemed, I, I kind of prefaced it with, unless they get Monty, because that would signal to me that this really had some thoughtfulness behind it. And yeah. I guess they did it. They, they did the thing that I prefaced it with. And I'm very surprised that it happened, but I guess as a fan, as, as anyone who is interested in this team's kind of well-being going forward, you have to be pretty pleased with the fact that they targeted who I think was probably the, the best coach who you could reasonably get on this market and went out and got him. That's something that we can never really say the past decade. Yeah, really. <laughs> and I mean, if you talk about for a second there, what Monty is going to do for this organization, but I've seen multiple players come out on Twitter and Twitter how respected he is around the league, how respected he is as a coach as well. Tacticians up in the air, though. I, I mean, his success was up and down in New Orleans. But, I mean, from his background, he read the Sports Illustrated piece from Chris Bowder a couple of years ago on him, and that's just an incredible story from just his background. What do you guys believe? I mean, Monty's going to come in here, be the established guy from day one, but I'm running a story on this right now, and I want to get your guys' thoughts. I'll start with Brendan first, and we'll go to David. Do you feel like James Jones – we talked about this a little bit on the Wednesday episode, Bren, but – it seems more and more once they announce the Monty hiring today, then a few hours of that, they get the Suns practice facility done. They're going to 
break ground Scottsdale later this, this summer, it definitely seems like they're remaking this organization on the fly to James Jones image. For sure. And, and I wrote about that as well. I think you're going on the, the Sarver angle a little bit more over on bright side of the sun, but I think both of those guys, Sarver and Jones, I think uh, this, this series of moves, as we talked about on our Wednesday episode as well, just really signals a change, I think, of at least a plan. And I don't necessarily know if it's far too early in my mind to say this is a success. This is um, a, a complete revolution. Sarver is a new man. He's going to get out of the way. Uh, this is a good step in the right direction. As I said, we've never really been able to say, right, David, that they went out and got their guy and really any position in this organization. And so the head coach is a great first step. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there, Brendan. There's reason to be excited right now that the Suns, I guess, executed the plan that they uh, set out to do. You know, now that we look about it in hindsight, that the timing of Eagles firing, the fact they had the confidence to do it, even with the, the team and the franchise in the position that it was in, I think kind of all the, you know, crystal balls point towards at least Monty giving some sort of indication that he was seriously interested in the job. He's obviously not going to guarantee to say yes before, you know, he has that sit down with Sava and they talk about the nitty gritty. But I think the Suns felt pretty confident making that move. I think, you know, Max and I have touched on it on our pod a couple of times and, and also on Twitter that, um, you know, you don't really make that move for Igor in the first year without, you know, a pretty solid plan. Um particularly because, you know, Jones was involved in the process with Igor last season as well, even though he wasn't the GM. But, you know, that, as you said, secondly, that there's reason to be sceptical here still because of the history of the Suns. So by all means, get excited about this hire. The Suns got their man, but there's a lot of stuff to play out. But to answer your question up top there, Evan, I think, you know, Jones made a comment on his radio interview, I think after the initial press conference, uh, where he said he was managing the team last year, I guess, after McD got fired. And now this season and this offseason, he's going to be building the team. So very much the the team has been handed over to Jones and everything we've seen in the last couple of weeks is him making the moves to, I guess, have the franchise in his eyes rather than uh, managing someone else's baby, I suppose, as he mentioned in that radio interview. What's interesting... I was Sorry, both of you guys about what was uh, what was a bigger factor. So I'm sure a lot of fans, by the time they hear this, will have seen it. But if not, Sean Charania's little clip over at Stadium basically mm-hmm. uh, outlined, you know, this was to a to a certain degree about Sarver kind of promising and, and acknowledging his past mistakes and promising a different thing in the future. I thought Kellen Olson on Arizona sports uh, on, on the radio this morning or this afternoon kind of put it the way that I was thinking about it, which is uh, great. Uh, I'm sure he said that to everybody, but I just want to kind of a, an open-ended question, Evan would be, do you think that was a bigger factor, whatever promises and and, uh, admissions Sarver made in that interview this week, or was it, the five-year deal. Like, let's be, let's be real. And which one do you think it actually was that, that nailed it down? I actually think this might be contrary to what people might think, but I think it's actually Robert Sarver just because 
you have to have a common theory coach, especially one of Monty's pedigree, who I think say once he comes in here, a top 15 coach, at least an average coach right off the bat, that hasn't happened here in a long time. And I feel like he has to have the authority to step in here and be like, hey, if it starts off bad, if the first year doesn't go as well as I think, I need some assurances that you're going to be behind my back. You're going to be still there with me alongside James Jones doing what we're promising to do right now in this current meeting. I don't want you to break our promises later on 12 or 24 months down the line. It feels like really Robert Sarver, you see he's had nine coaches during his tenure, five in the past five years now, Monty Williams. He needs some sort of stability. And I think reworking it and really what Shams said there, as far as really just open-ended and really acknowledging his mistakes in the past, it seems like that's a, a notable thing because at least during Igor's, I don't think he ever told Igor that. I mean, I would be shocked if he did, but who knows? I feel like it just seems like at this point in time, I'm kind of curious about David's thoughts on this. Do you think with all this noise about James Jones, we're working the image of this team, getting Monty Williams, committing the Monty Williams on a five-year contract too, do you think there's any chance that Robert Sarr t- takes a step back? I think there's always a chance. I think to answer Brendan's initial question, I think the two go hand in hand. We can't really separate them you know not very often that i disagree with i don't in this case i think you know it's great to say all of those things but you've kind of got to back it up as well and and back up the brinks truck so to speak so you know the fact that they came with the five-year offer at probably pretty good money after robert sava i guess had that interview as as shams uh reported they they go hand in hand with each other you can't have one without the other the words would have kind of fallen on deaf ears if it was followed up by a you know a paltry three-year deal or something like that to monty and vice versa i think the five-year deal just outright from sava would have been a great showing of confidence for monty but he probably would have still had some questions around how things were going to operate so yeah i think you know we've we've got this team it's clearly been completely handed over to james jones with bauer in the background and and yeah as you say evan maybe sava is willing to take a step back now that he's got um people in place that he potentially trusts but you know we've not to play the negative card too much but we've been here before numerous times so you know i'm gonna be skeptical for a little while until we start to see i guess results of sava stepping back a little bit and letting people run the team brennan do you think star wars there's any chance star to step back now after this news today yeah i agree with david of course there always is i mean we all would like to believe that mistakes we've made could be overcome, right? I mean, at a, at a certain point, you got to think about it as just a human. Like these guys maybe have made mistakes, but I think you can always kind of see the reasoning. I don't think it's, I don't think we have any reason to believe that this guy can't change. He's not a criminal. He's not a, you know, an evil overlord. He's just a dude who kind of sucked at his job for a long time, but that doesn't mean he can, he can't change that. So I don't necessarily, as I said before, think we can assume that from this one decision, but I do think, you know, he has been kind of putting those feelers out there for a while. Gambo has been saying that uh, Sarver will operate differently this summer for a little Mm -hmm. while now. And I think this is kind of backing up those reports in a way that we can kind of start to see it come together. And it's going to take a whole lot more as I wrote at Brightside today. It's going to be you know, probably all of next season where that's still a question. And it'll probably be a question for at least some size of a question for the rest of his time owning this team. But you have to start somewhere. And I think this is a start. 
Alrighty, guys, before we go on to our next time here, going more in depth on the Monty Williams situation, I want to tell you guys really quickly about our Locked on NBA Twitter account. If you haven't already done so, go and give us a follow over at Locked on NBA Net. Burr and I both have our accounts up on there for the Locked on Suns coverage you guys love here. But if you guys want to get more of a national taste, a playoff taste, as we're really knee deep in the playoffs right now, and it's a lot of great games going on in the semifinal rounds, go ahead and give us a follow over at Locked on NBA Net to stay up with all the action. Alrighty, why don't we talk about here um, something that I really hadn't thought of. I, I, I guess I know because I, this guy's been in the spotlight for a while as the next kind of hot coaching name, but just because I never imagined the Suns would be in a position to go grab him, mostly because I thought Igor Kokoshkov would still be the coach, <laughs> this guy has a really like interesting and... I don't know, kind of exciting, in my opinion, breadth of, of experience. So, yeah, he's a head coach, which in a, in and of itself for this franchise is saying a lot. It's the first time they've hired a head coach with experience is for as long as probably any of us can remember. Um, yep. Since like Mike D'Antoni, right? And wouldn't it be? Um, I would say so off the top yeah, of my head, yeah. I think so, because even Alvin Gentry was early in his career, got some, got some chances. So, yeah. Um, I guess it might be Gentry, but that kind of doesn't really count in my opinion. But he also he also was an assistant for five or six years in Portland before he became an assistant. He played in the NBA. He's coached with Team USA, and he's been in a front office. You can't really find a guy who has that much going for him really most summers, and I think that is uh, kind of lost in this. I think it's right for people to be excited that he's been a head coach, but – all of that together. I think this is a really well-rounded guy, especially with the leadership stuff that no one can seem to stop talking about with him in a positive way. I'm really excited to see kind of what this level of experience can do to change that locker room. Yeah, that's for yeah. sure. Go, go ahead, David. Yeah, I 100% agree, uh, uh, Brendan. I just think, you know, he's essentially the the direct opposite of Eagle. We, we didn't get a lot out of the Suns or James Jones in, in why Eagle was fired, but, you know, we've had to read the tea leaves a little bit on that. And if you look at Monty as, I guess, uh, what he brings to the team as potentially what the Suns thought Eagle was lacking, um, you know, I think there's a lot there in what you said in terms of his experience across the NBA, um, less of a tactical coach than, than someone like Igor, for instance. And, and, you know, they're prioritizing a leader, I suppose. You know, I, I'm, I've got to put it out there as someone that was very high on Igor, um, but I, I've kind of left that behind now. He, he's no longer the coach and, and isn't going to be the coach of in the future. So I had my rant on my pod and, and have left that in the past, guys. But, you know, if you look at that, again, as I said, we, we didn't get a lot out of Jones in terms of why Igor was let go. So we have to, I guess, guess and, and fill in the blanks a little bit. But, yeah, they're bringing in a guy with a lot of experience uh, and a lot of reputation and that can kind of get these guys' attention straight away coming in, I'm, I'm guessing. And, um, you know, we can get into his value as a, an on-court coach and, and, you know, as a comparison to Igor, so to speak, and, you know, what they're going to be, you know, showing differently from, I guess, last season to, to the next season. But first and foremost, they bring in someone with a huge reputation, as Evan said, 
earlier. Plenty of players have already come out, um, I guess, in support of this hire and, and saying things like, you know, the Suns are making the right moves, which is not something that we're used to seeing. Um, again, being a little bit skeptical, we saw a lot of that with Igor last offseason as well. So it doesn't always mean that uh, you've hit a home run. But, you know, from where he's come from and then, you know, if we do break down his uh, stuff as a, an on-court head coach with the with New Orleans, um, he's done some stuff since, as you touched on there, Brendan, which, you know, you kind of have to give head coaches, particularly ones that were, were coaches quite a long time ago, you have to give them a chance to adjust and not just um, tie them to their records and, and things that they did on the court five or six years ago. So he's been with OKC, as you said, Brendan, and then the Spurs are in a front office office position and then I guess most recently he's still with Philly and he's going to continue to be with Philly until their playoff run is done so uh, they're getting a guy with a hell of a lot of experience as you said what really interests me on this is that like you mentioned there Dave you're alluding to the, the coaching aspect of things I know he's a great character he's a great leader on the on the floor but what's the difference you think that we're going to see between Igor and Monty Williams because I think Monty Williams is a coach in a few years as far as the head lead, the head leading role goes, but I feel like maybe it's going to be a little bit different than he was before in New Orleans because just how much the NBA has changed in the past three or four years as far as pace and space and the three-pointers. Yeah. Do you think they're going to be seeing a lot more different things than we saw with Monty in New Orleans, Dave, or do you think it's going to be the, much of the same? Well, as I said, we, we really don't know, and we have to give him that leeway and, and not tie him to the things that he did in New Orleans. We can obviously go there and look for clues of little things that he did and, and has done, I guess, throughout most of his coaching career. Like, he's he's pretty pick-and-roll heavy. Uh, you know, if you want to criticize Eagle, they probably didn't use the pick-and-roll enough in Phoenix and and did a lot more side-to-side movement in the offense and, and kept everyone involved. I think... You know, guessing, I think a Monty Williams offense is going to be far more reliant on the one-two combo of, of Aiton and Booker and then some complementary pieces around there. Whereas, you know, Igor's style was more so everyone touching the ball, misdirection, things like that. I think you're going to see a more straightforward offense uh, with Monty Williams and a lot more ISO probably, which when you've got a player like Devin Booker, isn't the worst thing in the world either. But, you know, as we've said, we also have to remember it was a long time ago now and, and the NBA moves really fast. So, you know, he may have picked up things at the Spurs or at Philly. Uh, you know, Philly has him beat another big man as well. So maybe he's learnt more about what Philly do with Embiid versus what he used to do with Anthony Davis. So, And the other thing is, for most of the time that he had Davis, they played a traditional centre next to Davis as well. So we can't kind of compare apples and apples there. So that'll be interesting too. I hope like hell he doesn't try and play Aiton as a power forward because then I would be straight off Monty as a an X's and O's coach. But, you know, there's there's plenty there, but there's plenty of questions and we're, we're just not going to know until training camp and we hear more from Monty about what he wants to do with the team. Yeah, I think you're exactly right, David. That's, that's what I've been uh, hoping we don't see an overreaction about. And I, I think most of the talk today has been kind of stayed away from that. And I think that's right because... As you mentioned, as, as you guys both said, it's, it's been a while. And, and at the same time, um, he, it, this isn't a guy who has been out of the league since the last time he coached. So I think it's, it's only right to assume he would adapt and learn and develop. Um, and it's funny, too, thinking about kind of whatever we can glean from his prior, prior experience about what we'll see on the court. Not enough pick and roll 
is uh, exactly the concern that people have about Philly right now, which is where he's an assistant. So I think he's kind of seen all of it. <laughs> I think it's fair to say that <laughs> he's been on both sides of kind of every debate at this point as the NBA has changed. But 22nd in, uh, in three-point attempts, Anthony Davis's rookie year, 22nd in the mm-hmm. league. And that, I think, was, was one thing that kind of plagued that team. As, as far as I can remember. And then the other hand, though, uh, never never worse than – he coached Davis for, for uh, three seasons. Never worse than 16th in offense. And by the, the playoff season, his final season there, they had the eighth-ranked eighth offense. So that that's pretty interesting considering, you know, that was firmly in the three-point heavy days already, and he still managed to make it work. And, and what I liked about those rosters that he kind of made something of at the end there was it was a lot of pieces that didn't necessarily fit beautifully together. You had Drew Holiday, Tyreek Evans, and uh, and Eric Gordon all there together. And it didn't yeah. always, you know, those three guys just even now don't really seem like you should ever put them on the same roster. But somehow, you know, you kind of manage the minutes, manage the roles there. And, and that's something I'm, excited about because you know we really don't know how these five six core young guys are going to fit together yet what are you kind of excited about Evan if you had to think of something kind of from what you remember from those teams about Anthony Davis Drew Holiday whatever it is from what you remember of those squads that he can bring here I feel like just overall it's really not an on-court aspect for me I just feel like for me it's more just a leader in the locker room like it seems like Igor really was never able to tap into that you never really heard players come out and really vouch for him 100% in the media. It just seems like if you have a leader in the locker room, a, a leader of men that's going to instill that leadership, those qualities in these young guys that you need to develop, I think Monty's that kind of guy. And I think from an encore aspect, I wanted to go there for a few seconds. I feel like with the way he used Chris Paul, obviously I don't think it's going to be similar than Devin Booker. Maybe it is similar, but with the way he helped Chris Paul grow, I think for a year, I think he coached him for a year before he went to the yeah. book. But I, I think – However, they used him. I think it's really interesting to see how the comparison was between how you used Chris Paul and then how Devin Booker gets used here. Yeah, and and Russ, Russ, the the couple of seasons that he was in Oklahoma City, like I was saying, it's 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 tough and it's also interesting to try to gauge what a, a real Williams structure will look like because he's kind of dipped his toes in everything at this point. But um, David, if if there's one thing that you would be most excited about, what would that be? That's an interesting question coming from someone who's who's still mourning the loss of Eagle. But um, I think we're, uh, we're moving on together here. It's it's there. We're, yeah, we're all, we're all moving on here. The franchise is moving on, and and we all need to too. I think um, if I was to pick one thing, I think we'll see more of an emphasis on defense. To be honest, I think that was probably another glaring fault. Um, of Igor, he he kind of came early on. I think offense was always the plan to be the best defense for this team, get teams, throw the first punch, get teams on their heels and, and kind of dictate the play of the game. I think if you look into Monty and his coaching philosophies, listen to him speak, you know, there's plenty of videos out there that you can go and watch. I think he has a greater emphasis 
on defense. I think the the New Orleans teams that he coached had kind of four principles, and the first one was was defense. Um, I guess to finish that out, second was rebounding, third was run with purpose, and fourth was to value the ball. So he's a very traditional coach. I think he's going to get to these young kids in a way that Igor probably wasn't able to, um, as Evan touched on just previously I think he definitely did struggle in the locker room why that was and the reasons for that I think you know I think opinions differ on and and mine definitely differs to a lot of ones that I've seen out there but yeah I think it's just that connection and he's going to put these guys on the spot he's going to make them accountable and I think defense is probably going to be the first thing that shows out through that um, where he really demands a lot of these guys on that end, and there's going to be a greater emphasis on that. I just I wouldn't be surprised if you know the first press conference we hear from Monty, all the quotes that we hear from the players out of training camp and things. I, I just don't be surprised if that's like a massive thing that everyone keeps coming back to is the d- the defensive side of the ball. One all angle, right, I'm, uh, go ahead, I'm say one angle I just want to hit on really quickly, you guys, before we go into our next, or we can go on next time if you wanted to, Brennan. It is about DeAndre Aiden and Devin Booker and what this hire means for those two guys. Because obviously, Monty didn't go to Memphis, he didn't go to Cleveland. He chose the Suns over the Lakers. Obviously, he thought pretty highly of these two guys and Booker and Aiden. But I'll start with you, Brent, if you want to go to break or stay on here. What do you think about the aspect of Booker and Aiden with Monty? Yeah, why don't we – I actually think that's an awesome way to segue. Uh, We want to talk a little big picture with David before we get off here in our last segment. But – uh, before we do that, want to quickly remind you guys to check out the Locked On NBA show as well as our show over at the Himalaya podcast app. I know there's a ton of these things coming out, but Himalaya is really a pretty cool one. I've started to listen to some stuff over there. Like I've told you before, they have exclusive content. They have uh, an interface that's pretty nice to use, and it would help our show out a lot if you don't have a consistent place you're already going to check out podcasts. Go over to Himalaya, subscribe to our show, subscribe to Locked On NBA for your everyday playoff coverage. That's really the most exciting thing. I know Monty Williams is pretty cool, but of course, the actual basketball still being played is uh, every day covered for you over at Locked On NBA. And one more break here to tell you guys about ZipRecruiter. Hiring used to be hard. There's multiple job sites out there, stacks of resumes on your desk, and a confusing review process, but today hiring can be easy and you only have to go to one place to get it done. That's ZipRecruiter at ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. That's our promo code today, locked on. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find the right people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter is going to analyze each of them, spotlight the top candidates for your position so that you never miss the perfect match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80%, four-fifths, eight-tenths, 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, our listeners at Locked on Suns can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash LockedOn, as I said before. ZipRecruiter.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash LockedOn. ZipRecruiter, 
the smartest way to hire. Okay, David, I'll, I'll shoot it over to you. Why don't you, uh, because I think you were one of the more, the people who was most excited about what Igor could do for this team, especially on the offensive side of the ball, what do you think this changes? I know you mentioned there might be some more isolation. How do you think the, the role responsibility changes for the two main guys here, Booker and Aiton? I think the offense will still be built around Booker and Aiton, which I think it definitely was with Igor as well. But as I touched on before, I think there'll be much, much less movement, you know, much less misdirection, which, you know, might actually be a good thing for this team. You know, we, you guys probably know better than I do, but we heard a lot of reports early on in the season that kind of half the playbook was thrown out with Igor because, you know, most of the young guys just couldn't grasp all of it. um, And he needed to simplify things a little bit. You know, that's been my probably biggest thing with Igor is we can criticize him all we want as a coach, but I just don't think we ever saw uh, the actual, you know, head coach Igor Kokoskov because of what he was given. And, you know, I hope the Suns don't make the same mistake with Monty. I think, you know, he's less of a tactical coach than Igor in my mind. But again, maybe they're leaning more to the leadership style and think that they can get more out of the team with that stuff with Monty rather than the stuff on the court. But, you know, he still needs pieces, guys. Like, they need to get him a point guard. They need to get him some more shooting. Um, And then he design a, a simplified offense around, you know, Booker, Aiton, pick and rolls, you know, you got Mikhail on the wings, um, but they need some more pieces in there to um, not set him up to fail just like Eagle was. So, yeah, I think we'll see a, a simplified version of the offense is probably the main way that I would structure this and, um, you know, probably much less movement. But as we said before, we, we don't 100% know that. That's just going off uh, the last bits that we've seen as Monty as a head coach. He may come back with various different ideas that he's picked up in his time at, at other teams. But, you know, if I was to guess now, I think it'll be kind of pretty pretty heavy on that and a, a much more simplified offense, as I said, and um, not necessarily a bad thing with this young team, guys. I kind of feel like from my angle, just because he was just with Philadelphia, he still is in the playoff from Joel Embiid. I think we're going to be seeing a lot more post-up opportunities and a lot more of those inside opportunities for a guy like DeAndre. Because I know a lot of fans, it was a touchy subject as far as him getting inside touches. And it was a thought experience throughout the year, really, until the last few games where until he unfortunately pushed his ankle. But there was a lot of opportunities late in the season where he got to post opportunities. I'm going to be really interested, Bryn. Do you think we're going to be seeing more of a DeAndre Aiden, like a Joel Embiid, instead of how he was used this year, where he was kind of like a, a high screen and roll guy, where he said pick about 20 feet away from the basket? I I hope. I mean, I do think we'll see something different. I think that's pretty obvious, right? But I don't even know. It's it's tough to say because, as we were talking about with Anthony Davis, you know, his skill set's pretty different. I, I think. Aiton, as as we've seen so far, is not nearly the outside threat that uh, Embiid is. And I think the other thing that kind of complicates it is Ben Simmons is such a, a force of of nature, but also creates complications for organizing an offense that I think that really, he really is a thing that that dictates how their offense works even more than Embiid. So I'm really excited to see what year two of Aiton looks like. I was even before the coaching change, and I'm especially interested now because I think one of the things that people have continued to point to, and I, I kind of have to assume at this point from how many different places we've heard it, it must must be somewhat sourced, 
that is uh, Aiton not getting the ball, Aiton not being as as a, a focus enough of the offense under Igor had to be kind of a part of this whole change. And I, I think that'll be a focus of transitioning from this season to next under the new head coach will be how do we maximize what Aiton can be? Yeah, what what interests me was if you guys heard the the live hit from James Jones or Sam Bergman Gambo, or excuse me, I believe it was uh, Doug and Wolf, where he talked about what DeAndre and how Monty's going to be coaching him. He said, "quote unquote, he's not going to use kid gloves." So I don't know if that's alluding to what Igor was doing with him, maybe being too patient. But I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens with, especially DeAndre and Monty Williams system. But any closing thoughts on Monty here before we get David kind of the floor? Because we'd love to do with our guest here is kind of a look ahead to the offseason. We're really less than 10 days away from the NBA draft right now, which is super exciting. But, David, what's your expectations, if we wanted to go pivot that way, Brennan, about the offseason? And what do you think is going to happen now with the Monty Williams situation now officially locked in? I think this is the start of a huge overhaul, guys. I think, you know, as we've we've yeah. talked about here, Jones has been kind of given the keys. He's made the, the tough move of firing Igor one year into his contract, They've gone and handed out a five-year deal to Monty Williams. They've let go of the training staff. They've brought in some um, ideas around how they replace the training staff. They've just announced today the practice facility. So I think we're seeing Jones set up for an off-season where um, we we see a lot of roster overhaul at the same time. It, it's pretty easy when you look at the... Um, I guess, lofty heights that this team wants to hit on bringing players in. And then you look at the cap sheet and how that's possible. I think it's pretty easy to to kind of guess that they're looking to make moves and, and that's going to be in probably the form of trades to begin with uh, if they want to open up more cap space or just trades in general, like we saw with the likes of Oubre and, and Johnson throughout the season. Maybe they'll have to target a few underappreciated guys to bring new bodies in. But yeah, I'm kind of expecting that, you know, Booker, Aiton, and probably Mikhail will be the untouchables on this roster. And I just wouldn't be surprised if they really flip everything over. And um, we kind of wasted a year here now with the with the Igor stuff and, and letting Ryan McDonough as a, a lame duck kind of uh, take these. And so um, that's in the past. It's, it's a bit of a shame that they're, they're one year behind, I guess, this kind of stability. But, yeah, I think all signs lead to a real change for this franchise and, and trying to turn the image around, which, you know, the easiest way to, ch- to turn the image around is, you know, things like the Sava leak from Shams that he's admitting to his mistakes, but also to just move the furniture and get a lot of the old stuff out and, and freshen up the place. So that's kind of what I'm expecting. And, um, you know, I, I won't get into too much detail. As you said, the lottery is 10 days away. That's going to frame a lot of what they do and depending on where they land there. Um, you know, if Zion comes in, all of a sudden you've you've freshened things up straight away. If the the pick falls a little bit further, maybe it's it's open to trade. But yeah, I'm just expecting chaos. To be perfectly honest, without knowing exactly what that means right now. Yeah, if we think about how much, I kind of no nobody's nobody's uh, safe in the front office. We've seen Aaron Nelson, who was probably. If you would have gone through this entire franchise and said, who is the least likely person to leave? It might have been him. He's out. <laughs> Jake yep. Lutz, who's been around for longer than just about all of the basketball operations staff, is gone. That wasn't necessarily a firing. We don't know the details of that, but he's gone. The coach is gone after one year. So clearly, 
these guys who you would think would at least have some more longevity, some more earned uh, respect from Sarver and co are, are out the players. <laughs> those are the guys who already were being, we walk, we all kind of expected them to be on their way out. So I agree with you. This to me signals Jones is as Evan and I talked about on Wednesday to me, this is Jones saying, I get, I might be fired with the snap of a finger. I get that this franchise is chaotic and, you know, you're only as good as the thing you did three hours ago. But if that's the case, I'm going to do it my way and I'm going to do what I think is right. I'm going to use the resources and experience that I was hired here for. And if I get fired because of it, great. But it's not going to be because I cowered behind this mean owner who bullies people or whatever and wasn't able to, to construct the team I wanted to construct. And as we've been saying, it remains to be seen how successful that is. But I, I do respect somebody looking at this situation and saying, you know, if this is the opportunity I have, I'm making the most of it. And has, have, has this coaching thing kind of solidified that, Evan? Because we were kind of talking about it Wednesday, and it seems even more like with this Monty hiring that it's really Jones kind of taking charge here. It, it really is. It's him taking the reins of the front office. And pretty much, well, I was listening to John Gamador before I came in the area, and he was saying through sources of the Suns that pretty much James has full autonomy in this situation. He's making all the moves right now in the Suns front office. And that intrigues me because if you look at this roster, McKill Bruce is pretty much his pick from what we've heard. DeAndre Aiden was number one pick, really not much to say there. But outside of Booker, outside of Aiden, outside of Bridges, outside of Kelly Oubre, who traded for midseason, who he said multiple times, he wants to bring back for the long term. I think every other player on this roster should have a backpack, like an extra backpack, because I think Josh Jackson, TJ Warren, they weren't drafted by James Jones. I mean, I think those guys, Tyler Johnson, even for example, you know, he was traded for by James Jones. I think especially those two young wings, and I think the the rest of this roster, I think outside of those three or four guys I mentioned there, should keep a backpack this summer. Because I think there's going to be, like Dave mentioned, a really a lot of moving and shaking. Because if you look at the at the roster and the cast base, unless they just dump TJ Warren, Josh Jackson, Tyler Johnson for just picks or just nothing, they're not going to have any sort of cast base to work with. So it's going to be, I think, a lot of wheeling and dealing with trades this summer. It's going to be James Jones reshaping his roster on, on the fly around those three or four guys. Yeah, I totally agree. I think he's he's somehow got Sarva's trust here. It's pretty crazy we're talking about this guy kind of being the one that Sarva's willing to hand the reins over to with complete control, particularly, you know, I like James Jones. I've liked a lot of the things that he said, but if you look at his experience in the league um, and, you know, his age and where he's come from, he's not certainly trusting with the future of the Frankit over what they've been doing in the past, for sure. And I, as I said, I like Jones, so I'm, I've got some faith that he's going to be able to see it through. But um, I think he's he's pounced, you know, with both reputation and Sava probably being pretty sick by the end of, of what McDonough was doing with the franchise. I think Jones has been able to pounce on that and take the opportunity. And, yeah, I think if he's willing to fire a guy like Igor one year in, I think anyone who wasn't a Jones guy previously, as you say, Evan, should be... Um, you know, have eyes in the back of their head because he's not going to uh, have any sympathy towards these guys. Uh, and as we know, with new GMs attached to us, which was in the end probably McDonough's um, biggest flaw at the end of the day. He, he came in as a mover and shaker as well and then kind of got a little gun shy and, and didn't want to make moves and 
was kind of preaching patience. So um, we're going to see a flip there with Jones, I think. He's going to want to make his mark he already has with this coaching move, um, but I don't think it's going to stop there. Yeah, it seems like uh, one of the things I wrote was, you're exactly right that McDonough made changes just as probably even more more frequently early on than Jones has, but he never really, in my opinion, seemed ready or uh, maybe just didn't have the the leeway from Sarver to go out and change the big picture things that Jones is already doing. And maybe his hand was forced. Maybe it was David Griffin coming in and stealing Aaron Nelson that forced James Jones to kind of rethink things. And, you know, maybe yeah. we'll start to see more that, that gives us some evidence one way or the other, but McDonough probably, especially right away could have done stuff like this and, and never really thought that way about it. So that that's fascinating to me, but I mean, I don't necessarily have anything else because I think we're starting to kind of butt up against what we don't know. But one question I had, well, Evan, and then David, I, I want to hear your opinion on it too, is if you subtract out, like forget the process, because I think we all can agree the manner and timing of pretty much every firing and, and decision over the past 18 or so months has been pretty bad. Bauer... Jones and Monty is a substantial upgrade from where we were with, you know, if you want to go Pat Connolly, McDonough and Igor and that thinking about it, just surface level like that, you kind of have to be feeling pretty positively. I think so. I think you really have to, I mean, it's a big upgrade. Like you said there, Brian, you have not only experienced guys in every position. I mean, outside of James Jones, he's kind of worked his way up in that position for the Suns, but you hire Monty Williams, a very experienced coach. You hire Jeff Bauer, one of the most experienced GM executives available on the open market. If you look back at Igor and you look at McDonough and Pat Conley, those guys were first-time hires, first-time people with experience there. So I think you're really flipping the table, so to say, where you're betting on experience, you're betting on consistency and continuity. And I think really it's a reset, like we've all been talking about in this podcast. It's Robert Sarver, James Jones, resetting their vision around what Jones believes is the right way to build this organization. and. Pretty much anything that has to do with Ryan McDonough, Eric Koshkov, or any of that sort of era is going to be wiped out pretty fast. Yeah, they kind of waste, wasted a season here. Encouraging, um, as we've said, we, we're going to have a little bit of skepticism until we see some results. But, um, yeah, what happened last offseason with, I guess, keeping Ryan around in charge and then firing him just before the season – uh, allowing him to make, I guess, the number one pick um, and then some free agency and, and trade decisions before that as well. And then obviously the hiring of Igor and allowing him to coach the, the team for a season. It, it, it's a bit of a wasted year, but um, you kind of got to leave that in the past now and, and move on. And I guess if we're to end the pod on a, a positive note, what we were talking about before with Robert Sarver and, you know, is he finally taking a step back on you know, what we currently have in front of us and, and these experienced guys that he's bringing in with reputations, the, the signs are certainly there that there's at least a chance that that's going to be a ca- going to be the case. I guess the, the skeptic would say he's just made these hires, um, particularly with the pressure of the NBA looking over the, the state of the franchise and he's still going to meddle as much as he wants, but he just has more um, experienced and well-known guys in the front office. But, you know, five-year deal to Monty. I don't think we ever quite got 
uh, any kind of term or, or length on James Jones's contract or, or even Bowers, but I imagine that they all kind of match up um, at least somewhat. Um, Jones should have some security, I imagine, and I'm sure Bauer wouldn't have come over without some either. So he's going to give them time, and we, we've just got to give them time. But, um, you know, as we know, this this team has been down for a long time now. So patience is going to wear pretty thin um, if the results don't come pretty quickly. We made it a whole podcast without talking about if what this means for the Suns' chances of getting Kevin Durant. I'm so proud of us because uh, <laughs> I'm not having that conversation. I have a blank blanket ban policy on that, Brendan, so yep. I'm with you on that one. Trust me, guys. Uh, unfortunately, I was uh, global enough to actually crunch numbers to see what it would take at the $38.2 million of cash page. Just to throw it out there, you have to salary dump Tyler Johnson, TJ Warren, and Josh Jackson without returning anything back in return. So there's no way that's happening. <laughs> I trust, as a cap nerd, I'm always going to look at those things to just see what is possible. But yeah, I, I'm not even talking about the player in question here and the chances there, the blanket ban from me. Yeah, definitely, guys. Hey, appreciate you guys listening in on today's show and David for coming on. Appreciate that. You can follow him on Twitter at the four point play at the IV point play. David, if you want to plug seven or seven seconds or less real quick, you're more than welcome to. Oh, I just always appreciate you guys uh, having Max and myself on. Uh, we, we try and get you guys over on our one when it makes sense as well. We're doing some draft stuff at the moment for anyone listening who's interested in that stuff, and we've, we've got plenty lined up for the off-season. But um, always happy to, to cross-pollinate between the, with the two pods, but particularly with you guys. You've always been great with your time with us, and we appreciate the support. So, yeah, anyone who can do with another pod in their lives, jump over it uh, seven seconds or less or S7SOL pod on Twitter. Um, But other than that, guys, just really appreciate uh, getting the chance to chat with you guys about the Suns. Yeah, Yeah, thanks, man. No problem at all, David. Appreciate you coming on and thanks everyone for listening in. And hey, David, if if something gets Zion in the next week or so, we'll definitely have you back on the celebration. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think you should have a, a, a rotisserie of pretty much every member of Sun's Twitter on to, to celebrate that one because that would be uh, the end of a, a pretty crazy couple of weeks for sure. Oh, for sure. Hey, appreciate everyone listening. I'll be back to you guys on Monday.